Chapter Nine of A Guest at the Ludlow by Bill Nye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Nine, A Singular Hamlet. The closing debut of that great Shakespearean humorist and emotional ass, Mr. James Owen O'Connor, at the Star Theatre, will never be forgotten during his extraordinary histrionic career he gave his individual and amazing renditions of hamlet phidias shylock othello and richelieu i think i liked his hamlet best and yet it was a pleasure to see him in anything wherein he killed himself encouraged by the success of beautiful and self-made actresses and hoping to win a place for himself and his portrait in the grand soap and cigarette galaxy mr o'connor placed himself in the hands of some misguided elocutionist and then sought to educate the people of new york and elocute them out of their thraldom up into the glorious light of the o'connor school of acting the first week he was in the hands of the critics and they spoke quite serenely of his methods later it was deemed best to place his merits in the hands of a man who would be on an equal footing with him what o'connor wanted was one of his peers who would therefore judge him fairly i was selected because i know nothing whatever about acting and would thus be an equality with mr o'connor after seeing his hamlet i was of the opinion that he did wisely in choosing new york for debuting purposes for had he chosen denver colorado at the end of the third act kind hands would have removed him from the stage by means of benzene and a rag i understand that mr o'connor charged messrs henry e abbey and henry irving with using their influence among the masses in order to prejudice said masses against mr o'connor thus making it unpleasant for him to act and inciting in the audience a feeling of gentle but evident hostility which mr o'connor deprecated very much whenever he could get a chance to do so i looked into this matter a little and i do not think it was true until almost the end of mr o'connor's career messrs abbey and irving were not aware of his great metropolitan success and it is generally believed among the friends of the two former gentlemen that they did not feel it so keenly as mr o'connor was led to suppose but james owen o'connor did one thing which i take the liberty of publicly alluding to he took that saddest and most melancholy bit of bloody history trimmed with assassinations down the back and looped up with remorse insanity duplicity and unrequited love and he filled it with silvery laughter and cauliflower and mirth and various other groceries which the audience throw in from time to time thus making it more of a spectacular piece than under the conservative management of such old school men as booth who seemed to think that hamlet should be soaked full of sadness i went to see hamlet thinking that i would be welcome for my sympathies were with james when i heard that mr irving was picking on him and seeking to injure him i went to the box office and explained who i was and stated that i had been detailed to come and see mr o'connor act also that in what i might say afterwards my instructions were to give it to abby and irving if i found that they had tampered with the audience in any way the man in the box office did not recognize me but said that mr fox would extend to me the usual courtesies i asked where mr fox could be found and he said inside i then started to go inside but ran against a total stranger who was on the door as we say he was feeding red and yellow tickets into a large tin oven 
and looking far far away i conversed with him in low passionate tones and asked him where mr fox could be found he did not know but thought he was still in europe i went back and told the box office that mr fox was in europe he said no i would find him inside well but how shall i get inside i asked eagerly for i could already i fancied hear the orchestra beginning to twang its lyre walk in said he taking in two dollars and giving back fifty cents in change to a man with a dead cat in his overcoat pocket i went back and springing lightly over the iron railing while the gatekeeper was thinking over his glorious past i went all over the theatre looking for mr fox i found him haggling over the price of some vegetables which he was selling at the stage door and which had been contributed by admirers and old subscribers to mr o'connor at a previous performance when mr fox got through with that i presented to him my card which is as good a piece of job-work in colours as was ever done west of the missouri river and to which i frequently point with pride mr fox said he was sorry but that mr o'connor had instructed him to extend no courtesies whatever to the press the press he claimed had said something derogatory to mr o'connor as a tragedian and while he personally would be tickled to death to give me two divans and a folding bed near the large fiddle he must do as mr o'connor had bid or bade him i forget which and so restraining his tears with great difficulty he sent me back to the entrance and although i was already admitted in a general way i went to the box office and purchased a seat i believe now that mr fox thought he had virtually excluded me from the house when he told me i should have to pay in order to get in i bought a seat in the parquet and went in the audience was not large and there were not more than a dozen ladies present pretty soon the orchestra began to ooze in through a little opening under the stage then the overture was given it was called egmont the curtain now arose on a scene in denmark i had asked an usher to take a note to mr o'connor requesting an audience but the boy had returned with the statement that mr o'connor was busy rehearsing his soliloquy and removing a sheared egg from his outer clothing he also said that he could not promise an audience to anyone it was all he could do to get one for himself so the play went on elsinore where the first act takes place is in front of a large stone water tank where two gentlemen armed with long-handled hay knives are on guard all at once a ghost who walks with an overstrung chickering action and stiff jerky waterbury movement comes in wearing a dark mosquito-net over his head, so that harsh critics could not truly say that there are any flies on him, I presume. When the ghost enters, most everyone enjoys it. Nobody seems to be frightened at all. I knew it was not a ghost as quick as I looked at it. One man in the gallery hit the ghost on the head with a soda-cracker, which made him jump and feel of his ear. So I knew then that it was only a man made up to look like a presence one of the guards whose name i think was smith had a droop to his legs and an instability about his knees which were highly enjoyable he walked like a frozen toad hen and stood first on one foot and then on the other with almost human intelligence his support was about as poor as o'connor's after a while the ghost vanished with what is called a stately tread but i would regard it more as a territorial tread Horatio did quite well, and the audience frequently listened to him. Still, he was about the only one who did not receive crackers or cheese as a slight testimonial of regard from admirers in the audience. 
finally mr james owen o'connor entered it was fully five minutes before he could be heard and even then he could not his mouth moved now and then and a gesture would suddenly burst forth but i did not hear what he said at least i could not hear distinctly what he said after a while as people got tired and went away i could hear better mr o'connor introduced into his hamlet a set of gestures evidently intended for another play people who are going to act out on the stage could not be too careful in getting a good assortment of gestures that will fit the play itself james had provided himself with a set of gestures which might do for little eva or ten nights in a bar-room but they did not fit hamlet there is where he makes a mistake hamlet is a man whose victuals don't agree with him he feels depressed and talks about sticking a bodkin into himself but mr o'connor gives him a light elastic step with an air of persiflage bonhomie and frisk which do not match the character mr o'connor sought in his conception and interpretation of hamlet to give it a free and jaunty kokomo flavor a nameless twang of tansy and dried apples which shakespeare himself failed to sock into his great drama james did this and more he took the wild-eyed and morbid blackwell's island hamlet and made him a two-dollar parlor humorist who could be the life of the party or give lessons in elocution and take applause or crackers and cheese in return for the same there is really a good lesson to be learned from the pitiful and pathetic tale of james owen o'connor injudicious friends doubtless overestimated his value and unduly praised his smart allocutionary powers loving himself unwisely but too extensively he was led away into the great untried purgatory of public scrutiny and the general indictment followed the truth stands out brighter and stronger than ever that there is no cut across lots to fame or success he who seeks to jump from mediocrity to a glittering triumph over the heads of the patient student and the earnest and industrious candidate who is willing to bide his time gets what james owen o'connor received the just condemnation of those who are abundantly able to judge in seeking to combine the melancholy beauty of hamlet's deep and earnest pathos with the gentle humour of a hole in the ground mr o'connor evidently corked himself as we say at the browning club and it was but justice after all before we curse the condemnation of the people and the press let us carefully and prayerfully look ourselves over and see if we have not overestimated ourselves there are many men alive to-day who do not dare say anything without first thinking how it will read in their memoirs men whom we cannot therefore thoroughly enjoy until they are dead and yet whose graves will be kept green only so long as the appropriation lasts end of chapter nine read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com